morning, everybody. I thought I would show up. Better late than never. So, you know, I read a, a thing this week about um, the science behind why you shouldn't use a snooze alarm. I didn't listen. But I, I found it to be true. So, Jesus, we thank you for your word today, uh, for watching out for us and keeping us, and for everything that you've done for us. God, for your great and precious promises. God, I pray that today uh, we would come to you with a sense of expectation of receiving from you the things that you have. God, I pray that you would speak to every heart, that you would feed every soul on that, that manna from heaven today. God, we pray it in your name. God, that you would bind the flesh and the carnal mind. God, that, that uh, God, we loose your spirit in this place. God, for you to say what you want to say. God, for you to do what you want to do. God, we pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go with me to John 1. I was thinking about uh, something that somebody said Friday night about uh, you know feeling like uh, you know they they always looked at things like you got to get your stuff together and, and do this right and and uh, and how God showed them that well it's actually me that gets this stuff done and uh, and uh, you know I need you to just work with me. And I seem to recall somebody who has kind of brought that message several times. Uh, <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, uh, it's funny because I, the more I have uh, dug around in the Word for these Sunday school things, I keep finding these, uh, just this, this uh, recurring message of just cooperating with God and letting Him get done what He wants to get done. Uh, so in John chapter 1, and is there any place other than the first verse to start here? I don't think there is. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And I like that. Without Him was not anything made that was made. So take that. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shined in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. And the same came to bear wit or came for a witness to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light which lights every man that comes into the world. I kept looking for a place to stop and say what I wanted to say about that. So I find that interesting. As it says that he came to bear witness for that for that light. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. And you could just about you could put your name in there, couldn't you? Yeah. Same came to bear witness of that light. There was a man sent from God whose name was Bobby. And he was sent to bear witness of that light. You know, I mean you could stick anybody in there. Because that's that's who we are. 
And I find it interesting because he says he was not that light, capital L, because uh, obviously we're not him. But in, in Matthew 5, he says, you are the light of the world. So little L. It's a grand thing to, to be that reflection. You know, a few weeks ago we had this awesome supermoon and everything, and it was it's really great. There's nothing quite like that silver moonlight filtering down through the trees and and everything looks all perfect. But uh, uh, that light is not doesn't come from the moon. It doesn't make its own light. You all know that. That that light comes from the sun. And and so, of course, that's why God used the church or talk used the moon to talk about the church. Because we reflect that light. And so and that's what he's saying here, that that John wasn't that light. He's not he's not the source of the light, but he's bearing witness of the light. And and that's what Jesus was saying when he said, You're the light of the world. The world needs somebody to reflect my light so they can see me. And you are that light. So he was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. Boy, isn't that the truth? He came to his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So you know how much I like to talk about words? I'll talk about a few words here. Uh, it says, as many as received them, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. This word power, there's several words uh, that you find that are power, or rule, dominion, and they, the King James translators kind of just use them all interchangeably because you know how they like to do that. Uh, but this word is exousia, and this is um, authority. This is like a authority power, but with a sense of right and privilege. You know, in fact, in the if you have the same Bible I've got, in the margin it even says the right or the privilege to become the sons of God, which I like that, but it's not quite the same as the authority power to become the sons of God. So do you have authority then to to grow into that place? Yeah, you do. And uh, the great thing about authority is, you know, when the centurion came to Jesus to... Uh, plead for his servant. He said, I'm a man under authority. You don't need to come to my house. You know, if you, you just you say it, and I, I know that it will be done because I can see the authority that you have. And so God has that has done that in our life. We have this power to, to grow into that place, this authority to grow into that place in him. Another thing I like about this being a sense of privilege, though, is this word sons. Because uh, this isn't really sons in the way that we think of, we would typically think of the phrase the sons of God. Uh, this is this word, I believe is technon, I think is how you pronounce it, and it's a, uh, it's a more of a generic word like children. It doesn't really specify gender, it doesn't really um, um, have any of the connotations that someone's... Uh, you know, the, the son of somebody would have, and I'll get into that in a minute. Uh, 
So you wouldn't really do damage to this verse, I don't think, to, to say that as many as received him, then gave he the right to become the children of God, the privilege to become the children of God. And boy, what a privilege. You know, like John said, behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should become the sons of God, the children of God. And when, the more you see the, the, the hopelessness of of orphaned humanity, the more grateful we are to have, to be part of a family, to, to be the children of God. So he gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of the blood, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, or the will of man, but of God. So whose idea was it then? God's idea. Um, you know, that's the funny thing about being born, isn't it? wasn't really your idea. You didn't really get to choose. Like, you weren't this little ethereal thing that decided, I'd like to be born. Uh, and uh, so we all know how we got born. Uh, it was somebody else's idea, or not. And <laughs> Surprise! Uh, but, uh, so that's how we all got here, right? So somebody's idea, and uh, the Bible says here that that this, you know, because this becoming the, the children of God, the sons of God, this is about being born again, right? And then having this this inside man, and uh, <clears throat> and he says that that this is not born of the will of blood or the will of the flesh or man, but this is born from God. So this is God's idea. So did. Did God pick you out and choose you and and think, wow, this would be a great vessel to put this seed in? Yeah, I did. So it's God's idea. And that's what I like so much about this because he starts out talking about this uh, his transcendent existence and, and his power and how he just, you know, before anything was, he is. And, and so, you know, this is just like reading Genesis. It's like his word is the efficient cause of creation. And so his word is the efficient cause of life in you and me. And so that's what he does. But it was his idea. And and God has great ideas. You know, I saw a really terrible movie once where this guy's supposedly talking to God and he's like, Oh, good idea, oh Lord and he says, Well of course it's a good idea. You know, and I don't recommend the movie, but I I, I enjoyed that idea of well, of course it was my idea, therefore it is a good idea. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of Him and cried, saying, "This is He of whom I spake. That He that comes after me is preferred before me, for He was before me. And of His fullness have we all received, and grace for grace." For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. That's really hard to find a good place to stop, isn't it? But uh, he said that we beheld his glory, the Word made flesh. So um, do we have some idea of what we're going to turn out like? Indeed, we should. You know, Jeremiah, uh, in his prophecy, he talks about, you know, God says that he's got 
going to bring us to an expected end. Everybody knows 29 and 11. We probably got it on a coffee mug at home. But uh, I like the way the King James says an expected end because in other translations will say like uh, an end and an expectation, and that and that's awesome too. I just I like this expected end because the end that God has in mind for your life is the end you should be expecting. The the result that He has from your life. Or that he plans for your life is what you should expect. So if your expectation is something less than, if your expectation has something to do with you pulling up your bootstraps and getting it done and then probably not getting it done, as my expectation was for a long time, then it's the wrong expectation. The, the right expectation is he's going to get this done in me. So he was the word made flesh, and so that's his plan for me. I want to become one with the Word of God. And, of course, John bear witness of Him, and that's what we do in this world. The world can see Him in us, or or they should. So, uh, down here in 18, he says, No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son is in the bosom of the Father. He has declared Him. Of course, Jesus... Uh, Colossians tells us that he is the image of the invisible God. Uh, uh, Hebrews 1 tells us he is the express image of his substance. So everything that God is, you can see in Jesus. And that's what uh, that's the blueprint, if you will, for where we're going. But this word son, this is a different word than what he said in verse 12, where he talks about the, the sons, plural, the children of God. This word... Is a different word. This is this is son, as in, uh, you know, not those kids over there, but a specific child who has specific characteristics. Um, I was walking down the sidewalk uh, to go get my kids from school one day uh, recently, and I passed this lady on the sidewalk, and I didn't really, uh, I was off in my head. I didn't really say anything to her. I just walked on by. I'm coming back from school with my kids, and she comes out on her front porch. And she's like, I know you guys. Like, this might sound really creepy, but I've watched you kids grow up in pictures because she works with my dad. And she lives three doors down from me. And uh, uh, she uh, she said, you know, it's funny because I recognize those kids. When, when you walked by earlier, I thought, man, that guy looks like Jerry. <laughs> you know? And, you know, the older I get, God help me, it's just, it's there, you know. I mean, so, you know, don't pick on your parents because you will end up looking like them to some degree or another. And don't tell your kids, I hope you have kids just like you because you will and they will and they won't thank you for it. You know, my parents did that to me because I was a pain in the neck. And I hope you have kids just like you someday and you can see what this is like. And my kids can be, but they are wonderful. We have we have great times together, times that are not so great, but they're really great in the end. Uh, but the sense of being a son, you know, this, this word uh, is, uh, is about not just about lineage, but about character. And and so um, it's it's interesting when you have kids to watch 
your character traits that you may or may not be aware of pop up in them. And, and it happens with people in the church, too. It's funny how people will do something that really drives you crazy, and you realize eventually, like, wow, I totally do that. And uh, But it's funny because kids are like that. Um, you know, Jeremy looks just like me when I was his age, except for the hair, a little different. But uh, uh, But he totally has Cynthia's personality. He's got that, like... Uh, what I like to call the Ming intensity. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. <laughs> and uh, uh, and and he's got the Collins eccentricity. So you mix it together, and my kids are an interesting bunch. Uh, but those character traits pass on to your children. And, and that's what this uh, this son is, because this is the only begotten son. Of course, he's talking about Jesus here. And and what were we just saying? He's the express image of God, and he, he the express image of his substance, the image of the invisible God. Everything that he is 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 contained here. So so that's the so we have this this privilege of becoming the children of God. Uh, and then he has this goal for us to become sons of God, and uh, um, and, and it's interesting the way that the uh, the Hebrews used that that phrase, the sons of this and the sons of that, you know, because they used it for you know families and stuff, but they used it for character, like the sons of of whatever. My mind blank at the moment, but uh, you really find a lot of that. Uh, go with me over to. 2 Corinthians 4. I'm just going to dip in and out here of a, a great little verse that we all know. Or maybe a few. Uh, because as you read that passage in John, it talks about about that, that new birth and that sonship. Um, but it didn't really say anything about you doing something. But it said that we had this authority. You know, the great thing about having authority is, like the centurion said, he, I, had, I tell this man go and he goes, this man do this and he does it. And, uh, you know, that's a grand thing. Uh, uh, the other day, uh, last week, uh, Mike and I didn't want to go to work on Friday after Thanksgiving. Who wants to work on Friday after Thanksgiving if you don't have to? And uh, But the guys wanted to work. They needed the money, right? So I was like, okay. Go ahead. So it's like I'm sitting at home, gorging myself on all kinds of stuff. Coffee's flowing like a river, and I'm I have guys that I have said do this, and they're doing it. <laughs> like how grand is that? It's like I'm catching this vision that does nothing to do with me being on a ladder. But um, so so we have this this sense of that happening you know and when you when you have authority to to do something like that you don't you don't do it somebody else does it for you and uh, and I don't mean in any way to say that, that we boss God around but this sense of these things happening in our life is what this word exousia is all about and uh, that it used there in verse 12 so over here in second Corinthians 
I can see why Ron always ends up sliding backwards. You know, it's a good thing they at least have a chapter break in there. Although sometimes that doesn't even help. Um, so, all right, why not? Chapter one, or verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, the uh, ministry of, uh, of grace, is what he's talking about. <clears throat> seeing as we, have received, as we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the Word of God deceitfully, but by a manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. So this ministry of grace then, it's like uh, it's just like Ephesians chapter 2, right? This by being saved by grace because he starts out in Ephesians 2 talking about how, um, how we've all had our conversation in time past uh, in uh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh. And I was talking to my kids about that yesterday. It's like, you know, you guys are in a weird spot because you're growing up in my house. And I don't let you live like that. And and so, like sometimes when you grow up in church and you grow up in a Christian home, it can be a little tricky to realize that you need God. Just like the guy, in, uh, the heathen kid that lives, that grew up in in the street does. You know, it's like. Uh, so my kids come from kind of the best of both worlds. It's like mom grew up in church, I grew up in the world, and. Uh, Look, either way, God knows how to bring you to that place where you, you realize, wow, I really need Him. Uh, but He talks about that place of, you know, it's like well, we've all been there. We've all done those those things where we lived in the flesh and everything. And and then, of course, talks about being saved by grace. Uh, it's not your own thing. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. And that we were His workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, that He is foreordained that we should walk in them. So he has these things for us to do then that he has already set out to have to have done. And and he knows how to get them done. See, so now he's sitting back with the, the coffee flowing like a river. And he's like, I, I've set this in motion. This is going to get done. <clears throat> so he says, uh, we've renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But if our gospel is hid, it hid to them, they're lost. And they certainly don't want that. In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them that believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. And I love that word image. That, that goes back to what we talked about in Colossians and Hebrews, that image that, that it's... Uh, that it's a reproduction of something, it's an image, like you would think of a picture or something, but it contains in it the very nature of the thing that it represents. Like, a, 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 to me, a child is a great example of that. Like, my son looks just like me, he came from me, so he's like my image. Uh, the uh, where It's actually where we get the English word icon. <clears throat> Lest the, the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. For we preach not ourselves... But Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. So so Paul understands he has this, this exousia power, this, this authority in God, but he's not using it to preach himself. He's preaching Christ. Where God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. The excellency of the power may be of God 
and not of us. And uh, that's a grand verse. You know, it reminds me of Jeremiah buying the uh, buying the ground, and it said that he he takes the all the the documents of this sale uh, of the land and he puts it in in an earthen vessel in in this like clay jar, and um, you know what isn't that what God does with us? He 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 purchases the ground, he redeems us, and then he places the proof of that transaction. Uh, in an earthen vessel. Uh, and, but he doesn't hide it in there. It's there for people to see because we're those epistles known and read of all men. And so he has this intention that you know, you may start out not looking like something that um, the people would look at you and say, wow, that guy, look at that guy. You know, he, he must, you know, he reminds me of God, reminds me of Jesus. You know, when, when Jeremy was born, he looked like this wrinkly little old man. You know, didn't not so much like me yet, but uh, as time went on, he looked more and more like me, and and that's what God does. So we have this treasure then, uh, this uh, the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. We have that knowledge, that treasure in us, and that the excellency of the power may be of God, not of us. And that's a that's another word that you often find um, used interchangeably with the word this power that we were talking about in John Exusia. This power. This is a different power. This excellency of this power. This is dunamis power, and this is like might. This uh, this this is uh, ability. And and so so that power, that might, that ability, is, is his and not ours. Uh, go with me. Uh, Real quick, over to Romans 8. See, if I show up nice and late, then I have to cut it short. (laughs) Then it makes it appear that I have preached up till the last second. Just kidding. No, if you've ever had a private conversation with me, you know that getting me to stop, you probably will have to shoot me. No, I, I I love this this story this guy tells. Is he's an Italian, and he's having his this friend over for for dinner. And he's like, okay, so when we get done with the meal, if you would like a whole another plateful, then tell my mother you would like just a little bit more, and you've got a whole another plateful. If you want just a little bit, tell her no, really, I'm stuffed. I couldn't eat another bite. You'll have a little bit more. If you don't want any, at all, and you're done, you will have to shoot her. <laughs> and don't miss because she'll get mad. So, uh, I remember visiting uh, uh, Cynthia's grandparents, and it was kind of like that. It's like you would eat before you got there, right? Because you know it's like you're there to see them, not have them slaving in the kitchen, but they're they're still just you know shoving things down your gullet, right and left. Like uh, it's like a little ninja with a coffee pot, filling it up every time you turn. Like I've been drinking it and it never gets empty. So, but it's, so it's precious how people do that. But um, uh, let's see. So where was I? In Romans eight, another slippery slope. Uh, you probably could imagine where I'm going. Yeah, all right. First one. 
I really wasn't, but now I am. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And that's the difference, isn't it, between getting things done uh, on your own, um, seeing this. It's, it's like like Jacob. He he had these promises from God, and he took it upon himself to get them done and make them happen. And then, uh, you know, God kind of worked around his stuff and, and blessed him nonetheless. Uh, but then he brought him to this place of, okay, now, now I'm going to cripple you. Now you have no ability to do this stuff, all the stuff that you expected that to happen in your life, now you're not going to be able to get it done. And then God gets it done. And and that's a precious thing. So that's the so so Jacob then goes from this this flesh place where he's the supplanter to this this more spiritual walk where he's he's ruling with God. And it says that uh the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, by a sacrifice for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. And I love that, because uh, what then is God's expectation of your flesh? Pretty, pretty bad. Pretty, pretty low, you know. And uh, um, Expectations are an interesting thing when you apply them to other people. Uh, because if you have these expectations that are way up here out of people, then you will find yourself continually disappointed. I find I have learned, am learning, that the lower you set the bar, the more likely people are to exceed your expectations, and you'll find yourself being pleased rather than disappointed. Um, you know, I I, I started out uh, with my children with these. Tremendously high expectations because you know when you when you have the perfect child and you're the perfect parent, you know your expectation is of course way up here that they are going to be a rock star, right? And then you find out that you're both just people, and that that they're a little ball of putty that you get to mold, and you want to be careful how you mold them. And uh, and so the lower you have those expectations of of your children, then the more likely they are to be able to meet them and and not feel like they are a failure. So so God's expectation of your flesh then is you know really not much. You know I mean have you ever you know you you don't see jazzercise at the cemetery. You know you don't see anybody out there trying to get everybody to dance. It ain't happening because they're dead, right? For what the law could not do, and it was weak through the flesh, because you had to do it. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, in the likeness, not, you know, He he was sinless, but He was in the likeness of, of the flesh. And for sin, condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law would be fulfilled in us, because He did it. Who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. They that are after the flesh, mind the things of the flesh. They that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. To be carnally minded is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. You know, I like uh, the margin has, a, like, uh, I think, a better reading of this. The, the minding of the flesh is death. The minding of the Spirit is life. 
you know, because it's not what you tell your kids. It's like, you better learn to mind. You will mind me. I love how we take words that are nouns and make them verbs. Uh, I talked to someone this week that said, I office from this place. I was like, since when is office a verb? Like, okay. But, you know, you have to play it cool with people. So, so yeah, 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 totally. Yeah, I office from over here. Um, So the minding of of the flesh is death, and the minding of the spirit is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. It's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So, is your is your flesh going to go down life's road, zippity-doo-dah, with the bluebird of happiness on your shoulder? So glad that you're here. You're so glad you're on the straight and narrow, and everybody else appears to be having a great deal more fun. No, probably not, because your flesh would like to be over there on the broad road. Because that's where all the girls are. Just kidding. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Every now and then, my mouth gets ahead of my brain. Um, but no, so your flesh is your flesh is just what it is. And so that's why he says to reckon it dead, right? So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Your, your, your mind is always just going to be... It's going to have that tendency, but you uh, you learn as you grow to to you know keep those things in subjection, and uh, and you learn to boss them around, and uh, um, learning to boss anybody around is an interesting thing because it's not as as simple as it seems at first. <coughs> but uh, so this minding of the flesh then is, is not what we want to be at all. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so be the Spirit of God dwells in you. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So then there's that there's that line in the sand then of which side of the camp are you on? Or do you have God's Spirit in you or do you not? And and uh, And of course that's something that we do by faith, but as you... As you look at your life, you will find things in your life that you can point to that is, wow, this is really, you know, God really is in there. Have you ever had God bring you through something where he was dealing with some sort of behavior that needed to stop or uh, or he was rescuing you from some sort of thinking and, and he would bring some sort of... Um, confrontation to it, some kind of correction about it. Nobody likes that. But the great thing about that is is that it is proof positive that you belong to Him, that He lives in you. Because uh, because if you weren't His kid, then He wouldn't say anything to you about it. You know, I don't say anything to other people's kids about stuff that they do, typically. Um, you know, if there's like kids are fighting, I might, uh, you know, hey, what's going on everybody because there's something about being the adult that walks in the room that uh, kind of makes them all uncomfortable all of a sudden but uh, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ he's none of his if Christ be in you then the body is dead because of sin and the spirit is life because of righteousness but if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwells in you so that's an interesting thing. You know, he he uh, 
He makes you fully alive. And I don't totally get all that, but I think that's a precious thing because God, He He knows how to make you every wit hole and take the things in your life that are broken and make them right. Therefore, brethren, we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. I like that verse. You know, this word debtors, it's the same word that it uses for transgressors, sinners. You know, it has this sense of owing a debt, and that's why he uses this word. Uh, much like uh, foolish young men like me, who are too flippant. So, um, <clears throat> so yeah, anyway. So if if uh you know if I offended you earlier with my flippant joking around I do apologize. Um So this um this debtor thing then is an interesting thing because he says um that uh we're debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. So what do you, what is it then that you owe your flesh? Nothing. And uh um and I, I personally have found that um, uh, your flesh would have another thing to say about that if you decide you're going to not eat today. It's like, hey, you owe me. <laughs> you know, but uh, but no. Uh, what do you owe your flesh? To live after the flesh? Nothing. For if you live after the flesh, then you shall die. But if you live, But if you through the Spirit mortify the deeds of the body, then you shall live. That's a great thing. Uh, it's it's funny how you can read over something like that, and and yet it's living through those moments is not quite as comfortable as it sounds to just read it. But mortifying the deeds of the flesh, then putting aside those things, telling it no. And here's actually where I was going that whole time. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry out of Father. And the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs of Christ. If so be, we suffer with Him, we shall also be glorified together. So this, um, so here's that word sons again. And this is that word that's like more specific, this lineage that has the character of God. So... So being led here is the the thing that he's hinging that on, that the sons of God are led by his spirit. Versus, you know, uh, you know when you have uh, a young child, you you put those things in them and you teach them so that they uh, that they can be led by those things that you've taught them. And. Uh, because if you leave a kid to make their own decisions, then sometimes they're not so great. And sometimes they're really great. You never know. Um, it says you've not received the spirit of bondage to fear, but we've received the spirit of adoption. And this word adoption is actually um, a form of the same word that means sons. So, so God takes you and makes you his own, makes you his son. Um, and so he adopts you, but uh, not only does he adopt you, but he, he you become a partaker of his nature, and uh, and you become uh, what it is he would have you to be. <coughs> um, 
And, of course, he says here the Spirit itself bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. And, and that is indeed that we're children. And so, so the children then are, are, are heirs with God and joint heirs with Christ. So, so that's a grand thing. But coming into that place of sonship um, is, a, is a matter of, of growing, of character, and uh, that, that God does. And, and that's, that's the thing I was focusing on is that, that he, uh, he gets these things done because if you're born of his spirit, then it was, it's, it's, uh, you're not born of the flesh, not born of the will of man, but of God. So God knows how to get all the stuff done in your life. And, and in all that stuff that I read, it doesn't sound like there's really any, anything that he said where you need to, you know, hike up your belt and get this thing done. But he does, uh, he does want us to accept these things and, and uh, to, you know, surrender to him on the things that he'd have us surrender on, cooperate in the things that he would have us to cooperate with him. And so, Jesus, we just thank you, we praise you, we glorify you, uh, God, for all that you've done for us. And God, today what we pray is that your presence would get done in this place exactly what you want done. Uh, God, we, we want uh, nothing but your presence to, to do in us these very things. God, that treasure that's in the earthen vessels. God, we want the world to see it. Uh, God, and we want to, to be aware that, uh, that as we cooperate with you, as we obey you, as we surrender to you, Lord God, that it's your power that's getting these things done. Lord God, we're, we're calling on that the source of that power that we have, this power to become the sons of God. We're, we're looking to you uh, because you are the source of that power. You are the, the source of that authority. God, to make these things come to pass in our life. And God, we just we pray that you would get these things done in us as only you can do. And God, today what we want is for your presence to get done exactly what you want. God, that every heart in this place uh, God would be able to receive from you the uh, the things that you want, uh, the, the things that you have for us. God, you know the need of every heart, and you know how to get it done. And God, I just pray that no one leaves this place without having uh, reached out to you and received that very thing that you have for us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.